Hello, I'm Jameis. And I'm Tessa. Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness and nerdiness and sometimes plain absurdiness. Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Welcome, welcome to episode 29 of Your New Favorite Word. Today, we wanted to thank Tay B. Neebs for a review on Apple Podcasts. I love that I'm thinking about this stuff as I go about my day and generating my own original thoughts on word etymology. It's like the bucks have worked their wit into my brain as well as my heart, and I love the satisfaction it leaves me. I love that. Thank you so much for this heartwarming review. As podcasters, it's difficult sometimes to know if we're actually reaching people out there in the real world. But feedback like this encourages us to keep creating and keep sharing. So thank you again. Definitely. And speaking of sharing, Jameis, what do you have to share with us today about your new favorite word? All right. So a couple of episodes ago, I presented the word aftermath. Yes. Which tickled my curiosity at the time because of its entry in a very old book I found on Google Books called A Collection of English Words Not Generally Used (laughs) by Mr. John Ray. For this week's word, I decided to turn again to that venerable tome and see what other treasures I might tease (laughs) from it. So I started flipping through its yellowed digital pages and stumbled across (laughs) Ombry, A-U-M-B-R-Y, which the author defines as, quote, a pantry or cupboard to set vittles in. (laughs) And right away, I knew I had to use this word because it mentions vittles. Which is the very word I discussed last week. And that was a lot of fun to learn about that word. It was. That was mind-blowing. It's crazy how these things all connect together. So, but Mr. Ray wasn't done defining the word. So let's return to his definition. He said, Skinner, some author's name presumably, makes it to signify a cupboard's head or side table. And then he goes on to quote someone in Latin, which I'll spare you all. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But he ends with a usage example in the form of a proverb saying, no sooner up, but the head in the ombre and nose in the cup. (laughs) (laughs) What does that that mean? (laughs) Isn't that quaint? Yeah. So given that this book was written in the 17th century and many of the words in it are extremely um, regional... I wondered just how recognizable my newfound treasure was. I turned a bit anxiously to the OED, where I was immediately relieved to find an entry for it. (laughs) Ombre, per the OED, is a rare, mostly historical term, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) Words like this deserve a reawakening, and I'm willing and eager to do my part. (laughs) The OED gives several definitions, and the first describes an ombre as a container for storing books, like a bookcase, or even sometimes the room itself where books are stored, like a library or an archive. Mm. Usage examples in this sense are found as early as the 13th century, where the word appears written as armories and almeries, A-L-M-E-R-I-E-S. Fascinating. As well as other similar variations. In the more general sense of a place for storing things, the word goes back to the 14th century and is again primarily found as armory and almary, though the usage examples also do a good job of showing the evolution to more abbreviated forms like amry and eventually ambry, with the b getting introduced. <laughs> as recently as 1986 in Castles, Scotland, there's a line reading, 
A passage off the east end of the hall leads to a very small room with a fireplace and Omri. <laughs> so it's still used, but not very much. So is it related to Armory? Well, that was my very question when we got to this when I got to that point. Because um, the OED had several other definitions as well, but they're all kind of in that same vein. So I started wondering, is there some connection to alms? Is there some connection to an armory? Almanac was another thing that came to mind for Yeah, me. interesting. So it seemed an odd connection mm-hmm. to make, but words connect in odd ways, so anything's yes, possible. <laughs> so I looked. And ombre itself has a curious derivation. The OED kind of redundantly claims it was partly borrowed from the same French root as armoire. Hmm. And partly from the Latin word armarium, which itself is a root of armor, and means about the same thing, like a cupboard or cabinet. Yeah, that's a word we're much more familiar with. Yeah, exactly. So the common root of both of those is the Latin word arma, meaning gear or tools, and is the ancestor of the English words arm, as in weapon, armament, and armor. However, the word armory, as used today, while it does derive from Latin arma, is not directly related to Ombre. They came via different branches. Hmm. Uh, but they are cousins, so there's that. But as for alms, it's just one of those linguistic coincidences that armoirie was corrupted into almary because the word alm actually comes from Latin alma, as in alma mm-hmm. mater, and it means to nourish. Yeah, It doesn't have anything to do with Latin arma. Hmm. So... Sometimes there's those coincidences and sometimes not. But as for almanac, I, I didn't make that connection, so I don't know. It'd mm. be interesting to check that out. Yeah. But as a synonym for pantry or library or even cupboard or chest or closet, I think ombre has a lot of potential. <laughs> it was even used metaphorically to refer to a plentiful source of something, like a kind of cornucopia. Hmm. In that sense, too, I think it might make a worthy addition to one's vocabular ombre. <laughs> Perfect. So that's what I've got. What about you, Tessa? Well, this week I was thinking about the word egregious. <laughs> that's a great one. E-G-R-E-G-I-O-U-S. Egregious. So it means conspicuously bad or offensive. Can you think of some examples of something we might call egregious? Like uh, the breaking of a law or... Right, an egregious crime. Yeah, or... yeah, there you go. Yeah, an egregious error, an egregious lie, an egregious offense, something like that, right? Exactly. Some synonyms might be flagrant, blatant, glaring, outrageous, or offensive. Uh, This is a commonly accepted meaning for this word. But originally, when this word was borrowed into English, came from Latin, it meant distinguished, eminent, or excellent. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> a very, very positive word. Wow. It's it's pretty much the exact opposite. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and so that was in the 1530s when it was borrowed. And in Latin, the word egregious has the same meaning, uh, distinguished, eminent, or excellent. And it came from a phrase, exgrige, rising above the flock. Grex, G-R-E-X, meant herd or flock. Okay. And this comes originally from a Proto-Indo-European reconstructed root, G-E-R, meaning to gather. So we have this idea of grouping, of social interaction, and something that rose above the flock was excellent, extraordinary, distinguished, or eminent. 
So before we come back to why today our word egregious has the exact opposite meaning, I just wanted to explore that root a little bit. That Proto-Indo-European root, G-E-R, to gather, has a lot of descendants in modern English. So a form of word that comes from that, Greg, G-R-E-G, we find in gregarious, someone who's very social, right? Congregate, to group together, congregation, a group of people together, aggregate, and segregate, right? To, To divide a group and separate. Another word that came from this, or root, was grim, G-R-E-M, and the word cram comes from that. I would never have connected cram with something like gregarious or egregious. That's fun. Yeah. And then the Latin form agore resulted in a Greek word, agora, meaning the ancient Greek marketplace where people gathered and a lot of times people would give presentations or speeches to the congregated people there in the agora. And we get the word agoraphobia or agoraphobia. This is actually an interesting point. Originally, because the Greek word was agora, it was supposed to be pronounced agoraphobia, the fear of public places or open places. And gradually over time, people lost perhaps the meaning of agora and just pronounced it as they saw it. And agoraphobia is now a very acceptable pronunciation. Okay, I had never heard it the other way. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I learned something new, too. I didn't know about that original pronunciation either. Um, Some other words that are related to this. Allegory. Oh, cool. So it kind of means away from the marketplace, right? Or the common understanding in the marketplace, right? An allegory tells a story that's metaphorical and not immediately understandable to the common person, I guess. And then category, which actually meant at the time to speak against or to accuse in the marketplace, right? To declaim in the, in the assembly, to categorize someone. So interesting. that would bear some more interesting study into how it came to mean what we use it as today. Yeah, that's really interesting. But that is also related to that. So coming back to my new favorite word, egregious, how did it go from meaning excellent in the early 1500s to conspicuously bad or offensive, which happened later in that century? And this is an example of a phenomenon called antiphrasis. How do you spell that? So A-N-T-I-P-H-R-A-S-I-S. So anti and phrasis, phrase, that kind of idea, right? And I had to look up for sure how to pronounce that. (laughs) I want to say antiphrasis or antiphrasis or something, but it's antiphrasis is the correct pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. And it's the use of a word in a sense opposite to its proper meaning or ironic use of word in sarcasm or humor. (laughs) We often use this kind of in a one-off way. So, for example, this giant of three feet, four inches, right? And our tone of voice indicates the sarcasm that we're using, right? The irony. But sometimes this phenomenon, antiphrasis, changes the usage of a word altogether. So, for example, egregious. You can imagine someone saying, this excellent specimen of a man or something, and using that in a sarcastic way 
and it coming to mean conspicuously bad or offensive, right? This this distinguished error or this (laughs) (laughs) excellent offense or this eminent lie, and we start to get the opposite meaning, and and it it held. That's what stuck, was this negative meaning instead of the positive meaning. And we have some other examples of this. So the word few, which we usually use to mean not a lot, right? But if you say quite a few, it means the (laughs) same as quite a lot. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) So in that phrase itself, it, it was originally ironic, right? Quite a few <laughs> mean, and came to mean quite a lot. And this phenomenon also is the basis of many slang words throughout history. So yeah, I can see that. Some examples that came to my mind was bad, which at one time at least meant good, <laughs> wicked, meaning wonderful or great, um, the bomb, mm-hmm. meaning something great, sick is one that's I've heard more recently. I'm sure there are lots of others. I'd be interested to hear more examples of that that people are aware of. Yeah, for sure. It's hard to keep up with all the slang. (laughs) (laughs) Or to know what the slang was in a time period before us, too. Mm -hmm. And these things aren't always recorded, either. You just have to read them or hear them from someone from that time period. So another example of this is terrific. So we always use this word to mean wonderful or great. But it used to be the same as terrifying. And in 1888 was the first written example of the inverted colloquial sense of excellent. Terrific. Yes. So another ironic word that came to take on the opposite meaning that Uh it had originally. The word P-U-T-Z, putz, an obnoxious man or a fool, was borrowed into English in the 1960s from Yiddish where it had the same meaning, but that was borrowed from German, where it actually meant finery or adornment. <laughs> and Edmund Lyon says this was obviously used in an ironic sense in this case. Uh-huh. They are just saying, oh yeah, this <laughs> man and all his finery, right? And then another example of that is frippery, F-R-I-P-P-E-R-Y. We use it today to mean pretentious, showy finery, pretentious elegance, ostentation. But in the 1560s, it actually referred to old clothes or cast-off garments coming <laughs> from old French originally, okay. meaning rags, rubbish, old clothes. This notion of worn-down clothes rubbed to rags. The ironic meaning finery, but with overtones of tawdriness, right? Yeah. Dates from the 1630s, according to online. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I would love to hear if our listeners have any other examples of antiphrasis that they can think of. Yeah, that's really fascinating how words can do that. (laughs) I guess people do that to words. That's really cool. All right, well, thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. As ever, let us know if you come across any tidbits we might find interesting. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yournewfavoriteword or via email at ynfw at jamesbuck.org. We always want to know, what's your new favorite word?